Story two of the Strength of Gideon and Other Stories by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mammy Peggy's Pride. In the failing light of the midsummer evening, two women sat upon the broad veranda that ran around three sides of the old Virginia mansion one was young and slender with the slightness of delicate girlhood the other was old black and ample a typical mammy of the old south the girl was talking in low subdued tones touched with a note of sadness that was strange in one of her apparent youth but which seemed as if somehow in consonance with her sombre garments no no peggy she was saying we have done the best we could as well as even papa could have expected of us if he had been here it was of no use to keep struggling and straining along trying to keep the old place from going out of a sentiment which however honest it might have been was neither common sense nor practical poor people and we are poor in spite of the little we got for the place cannot afford to have feelings of course i hate to see strangers take possession of the homestead and and papa's and mamma's and brother phil's graves are out there on the hillside it is hard hard but what was i to do i couldn't plant and hoe and plough and you couldn't so i am beaten beaten the girl threw out her hands with a despairing gesture and burst into tears mammy peggy took the brown head in her lap and let her big hands wander softly over the girl's pale face shh shh she said as if she were soothing a baby don't go on like dat why what's the matter with you miss mimy pears like you done lost all your spit what you reckon your pappy'd think if he could see you carryin on dis away didn't he put his hand on your head and call you his own brave little gal just before just before he went the girl raised her head for a moment and looked at the old woman oh mammy mammy she cried i have tried so hard to be brave to be really my father's daughter but i can't i can't everything i turn my hand to fails i've tried sewing but here everyone sews for herself now i've even tried writing and here a crimson glow burned in her cheeks but oh the awful regularity with which everything came back to me why i even put you in a story mammy peggy you dear old good unselfish thing and the hard-hearted editor had the temerity to decline you with thanks i would have never left you nohow honey mima laughed through her tears the strength of her first grief had passed and she was viewing her situation with a whimsical enjoyment of its humorous points i don't know she went on it seems to me that it's only in stories themselves that destitute young southern girls get on and make fame and fortune with their pens i'm sure i couldn't of course you couldn't what else do you spect what do you know about making a fortune ain't you a hessin de harrisons never was no buyin and sellin makin and tradin fambly they was gentlemen and ladies from de very fust beginnin oh what a pity one cannot sell one's quality for daily bread 
or trade off one's blue blood for black coffee miss mimy is you out of your haid asked mammy peggy in disgust and horror no i'm not mammy peggy but i do wish that i could traffic in some of my too numerous and too genteel ancestors instead of being compelled to dispose of my ancestral home and be turned out into the street like a pauper hush honey hush i can't stand to hear you talk dat away i sorry to see de old place go but you got to go out of it with your head up just if you was going away for a visit and could come back whenever you wanted to i shall slink out of it like a cur i can't meet the eyes of the new owner i shall hate him why miss mimy where's your pride where's your harrison pride gone gone with the deed of this house and its furniture gone with the money i paid for the new cottage and its cheap chairs gone it ain't gone for if you won't let on to have it i will i'll show dat new man how your pa would a did if he had a been here what you mammy peggy yes me i ain't a goin to let him tink dat the harrisons have no quality good mammy you make me remember who i am and what my duty is i shall see mr northcope when he comes and i'll try to make my harrison pride sustain me when i give up to him everything i have held dear oh mammy mammy hish child shh sh ergo on that's right your eyes is open now and you can cry a little weeny bit it'll do you good but when dat new man comes i want mammy's lamb to look at him and hold her head like her mamma used to hold hern and i reckon mr northcope going to wither away and so it happened that when bartley northcope came the next day to take possession of the old virginia mansion he was welcomed at the door and ushered into the broad parlor by mammy peggy stiff and unbending in the faded finery of her family's better days miss mimy'll be down in a minute she told him and as he sat in the great old room and looked about him at the evidences of ancient affluence his spirit was subdued by the silent tragedy which his possession of it evinced but he could not but feel a thrill at the bit of comedy which is on the edge of every tragedy as he thought of mammy peggy and her formal reception she let me into my own house he thought to himself with the air of granting me a favor and then there was a step on the stair the door opened and miss mima stood before him proud cold white and beautiful he found his feet and went forward to meet her mr northcope she said and offered her hand daintily hesitatingly he took it and thought even in that flash of a second what a soft tiny hand it was yes he said and i have been sitting here overcome by the vastness of your fine old house the yore was delicate she thought but she only said let me help you to recovery with some tea mammy will bring some and then she blushed very red my old nurse is the only servant i have with me and she is always mammy to me she remembered and throwing up her proud little head rang for the old woman directly mammy peggy came marching in like a grenadier she bore a tray with the tea-things on it 
and after she had set it down hoovered in the room as if to chaperone her mistress. Bartley felt decidedly uncomfortable. Mima's manners were all that politeness could require, but he felt as if she resented his coming, even to his own, and he knew that Mammy looked upon him as an interloper. Mima kept up well, only the paleness of her face showed what she felt at leaving her home. Her voice was calm and impassive, only once it trembled, when she wished that he would be as happy in the house as she had been. "'I feel very much like an interloper,' he said, "'but I hope you won't feel yourself entirely shut out from your beautiful home. "'My father, who comes on in a few days, is an invalid, "'and gets about very little, and I am frequently from home, "'so pray make use of the grounds when you please, "'and as much of the house as you find convenient.' "'A cold thank you,' fell from Mima's lips.' but then she went on hesitatingly. I should like to come sometimes to the hill, out there behind the orchard. Her voice choked, but she went on bravely. Some of my dear ones are buried there. Go there and elsewhere, as much as you please. That spot shall be sacred from invasion. You are very kind, she said, and rose to go. Mammy carried away the tea-things, and then came and waited silently by the door. "'I hope you will believe me, Miss Harrison,' said Bartley, as Mima was starting. "'When I say that I do not come to your home as a vandal to destroy all that makes its recollection dear to you, for there are some associations about it that are almost as much to me as to you, since my eyes have been opened.' "'I do not understand you,' she replied. "'I can explain.' For some years past my father's condition has kept me very closely bound to him, and both before and after the beginning of the war we lived abroad. A few years ago I came to know and love a man, who I am convinced now was your brother. Am I mistaken in thinking that you are a sister of Philip Harrison? No, no, he was my brother, my only brother. I met him in Venice just before the war, and we came to be dear friends. But in the events that followed so tumultuously, and from participation in which I was cut off by my father's illness, I lost sight of him. But I don't believe I remember hearing my brother speak of you, and he was not usually reticent. You would not remember me as Bartley Northcope unless you were familiar with the very undignified sobriquet with which your brother nicknamed me, said the young man, smiling. Nickname? What? You are not. You can't be, Budge. I am Budge, or old Budge, as Phil called me. Mima held her hand on the doorknob, but she turned with an impulsive motion and went back to him. I am so glad to see you, she said, giving him her hand again. "'And Mammy,' she called, "'Mr. Northcope is an old friend of Brother Phil's.' The effect of this news on Mammy was like that of the April sun on an icicle. She suddenly melted, and came overflowing back into the room, her smiles and grins and nods trickling everywhere under the genial warmth of this new friendliness. Before one who had been a friend of Mass Phil's, Mammy Peggy needed no pride.' 
"'La Chile!' she exclaimed, settling and patting the cushions of the chair in which she had been sitting. "'Why didn't you say so before?' "'I wasn't sure that I was standing in the house of my old friend. I only knew that he lived somewhere in Virginia.' "'He is among those out on the hill behind the orchard,' said Mima sadly. Mammy Peggy wiped her eyes, and went about trying to add some touches of comfort to the already perfect room. "'You have no reason to sorrow, Miss Harrison,' said Northcope gently, "'for a brother who died bravely in battle for his principles. "'Had fate allowed me to be here, I should have been upon the other side. "'But believe me, I both understand and appreciate your brother's heroism.' The young girl's eyes glistened with tears, through which glowed her sisterly pride. "'Won't you come out and look at his grave?' It is the desire that was in my mind. Together they walked out, with Mammy following, to the old burying plot. All her talk was of her brother's virtues, and he proved an appreciative listener. She pointed out favorite spots of her brother's childhood as they passed along, and indicated others which his boyish pranks had made memorable, though the eyes of the man were oftener on her face than on the landscape but it was with real sympathy and reverence that he stood with bared head beside the grave of his friend, and the tears that she left fall unchecked in his presence were not all tears of grief. They did not go away from him that afternoon until Mammy Peggy, seconded by Mima, had won his consent to let the old servant come over and do for him until he found suitable servants. To think of his having known Philip— said mima with shining eyes as they entered the new cottage and somehow it looked pleasanter brighter and less mean to her than it had ever before now supposing you'd a run off without seeing him where would you been den you would a never knowed what you knows you're right mammy peggy and i'm glad i stayed and faced him for it doesn't seem now as if a stranger had the house and it has given me a great pleasure it seemed like having Phil back again, to have him talked about so by one who lived so near to him. I tell you, child, Mammy supplemented in an oracular tone, the right kind of pride always pays. Mima laughed heartily. The old woman looked at her bright face. Then she put her big hand on the girl's small one. It was trembling. She shook her head. Mima blushed. Bartley went out and sat on the veranda a long time after they were gone. He took in the great expanse of the lawn about the house and the dark background of the pines in the woods beyond. He thought of the conditions through which the place had become his, and the thought saddened him, even in the first glow of the joy of possession. Then his mind went on to the old friend who was sleeping his last sleep back there on the sun-bathed hill. His recollection went fondly over the days of their comradeship in Venice, and colored them anew with glory. These Southerners, he mused aloud, cannot understand that we sympathize with their misfortunes, but we do. They forget how our sympathies have been trained. We were first taught to sympathize with the slave, and now that he is free, and needs less, perhaps, of our sympathy, this, by a transition, as easy as it is natural, is transferred to his master. Poor, poor Phil! 
there was a strange emotion half sad half pleasant tugging at his heart a mist came before his eyes and hid the landscape for a moment and he he referred it all to the memories of the brother yes he thought he was thinking of the brother and he did not notice or did not pretend to notice that a pair of appealing eyes looking out beneath the waves of brown hair that a soft fair hand pressed in his own floated nebulously at the back of his consciousness it was not until he had set out to furnish his house with a complement of servants against the coming of his father that bartley came to realize the full worth of mammy peggy's offer to do for him the old woman not only got his meals and kept him comfortable trudging over and back every day from the little cottage but she proved invaluable in the choice of domestic help she knew her people thereabouts just who was spry and who was trifling and with the latter she would have nothing whatever to do she acted rather as if he were a guest in his own house and what was more would take no pay for it of course there had to be some return for so much kindness and it took the form of various gifts of flowers and fruit from the old place to the new cottage and sometimes when bartley had forgotten to speak of it before mammy had left he would arrange his baskets and carry his offering over himself mima thought it was very thoughtful and kind of him and she wondered on these occasions if they ought not to keep mr northcope to tea and if mammy would not like to make some of those nice muffins of hers that he had liked so and mammy always smiled on her charge and said yes honey yes but it do pear like dat mr northcote do forget mo and mo to send the things over by me when i is dere but mammy found her special charge when the elder northcote came it seemed that she could never do enough for the pale stooped old man and he declared that he had never felt better in his life than he grew to feel under her touch an injury to his spine had resulted in partially disabling him but his mind was a rich store of knowledge and his disposition was tender and cheerful so it pleased his son sometimes to bring mima over to see him the warm impulsive heart of the southern girl went out to him and they became friends at once he found in her that soft caressing humoring quality that even his son's devotion could not supply and his superior age knowledge and wisdom made up to her the lost father's care for which peggy's love illy substituted the tenderness grew between them through the long afternoon she would read to him from his favorite books or would listen to him as he talked of the lands where he had been and the things he had seen sometimes mammy peggy grumbled at the reading and said it was just like doin hide work but mima only laughed and went on bartley saw the sympathy between them and did not obtrude his presence but often in the twilight when she started away he would slip out of some corner and walk home with her these little walks together were very pleasant and on one occasion he had asked her the question that made her pale and red by turns and sent her heart beating with convulsive throbs that made her gasp maybe i'm over soon in asking you mima dear he faltered but but i couldn't wait any longer you've become a part of my life 
I have no hope, no joy, no thought that you are not of. Won't you be my wife? They were passing at her gate, and she was trembling from what emotion he only dared guess, but she did not answer. She only returned the pressure of his hand, and drawing it away, rushed into the house. She durst not trust her voice. Bartley went home walking on air. Mima did not go directly to Mammy Peggy with her news. She must compose herself first. This was hard to do, so she went to her room and sat down to think it over. He loves me, he loves me, she kept saying to herself, and with each repetition of the words, the red came anew into her cheeks. They were still a suspicious hue when she went into the kitchen to find Mammy who was slumbering over the waiting dinner. "'What makes you so long, honey?' asked the old woman, coming wide awake out of her catnap. "'Oh, I—I—I I, I don't know,' answered the young girl, blushing furiously. "'I—I I stopped to talk.' "'Why, there ain't no one in the house to talk to. "'I heard you when you come home. "'You have been a powerful time since you came in. "'What makes you so red?' "'Then a look of intelligence came into Mammy's fat face. "'Oomph!' she said. Oh, Mammy, don't look that way. I couldn't help it. Bartley, Mr. Northcope has asked me to be his wife. Ask you to be his wife? Humph! What'd you tell him? I didn't tell him anything. I was so ashamed I couldn't talk. I just ran away like a silly. Humph! said Mammy again. And what you going to tell him? Oh, I don't know. "'Don't you think he's a very nice young man, Mr. Northcote, Mammy? "'And then his father's so nice.' "'Mammy's face clouded. "'I don't see a where your harrison pride is,' she said. "'Cause he may be nice enough, "'but does you want to tell him yes the first thing? "'So he'll think that you jumped at the chance to get him "'and get back to the homestead.' "'Oh, Mammy,' cried Mima. "'She had gone all white and cold.' You don't know nothing about his quality. You are hassin' yourself. Who is he to be jumped at and took in the first accent? If he wants you very bad, he'll ask more than once. You needn't have reminded me, Mammy, of who I am, said Mima. I had no intention of telling Mr. Northcope yes. You needn't have been afraid for me. She fibbed a little. It is to be feared. Now don't talk that way, child. I know you likes him, and I do want to stop you from taking him. Don't you say no, as if you was never going to say nothing else. You just say a holin' off no. I like Mr. Northcope as a friend, and my no to him will be final. The dinner did not go down very well with Mima that evening. It stopped in her throat, and when she swallowed, it brought the tears to her eyes. When it was done, she hurried away to her room. She was so disappointed, but she would not confess it to herself, and she would not weep. He proposed to me because he pitied me. Oh, the shame of it! He turned me out of doors, and then I thought I would be glad to come back at any price. When he read her cold, formal note, Bartley knew that he had offended her, and the thought burned him like fire. He cursed himself for a blundering fool. She was only trying to be kind to father and me, he said, and I have taken advantage of her goodness. 
he would never have confessed to himself before that he was a coward but that morning when he got her note he felt that he could not face her just yet and commending his father to the tender mercies of mammy peggy and the servants he took the first train to the north it would be hard to say which of the two was the most disappointed when the truth was known it might be better said which of the three for mima went no more to the house and the elder northcote fretted and was restless without her he availed himself of an invalid's privilege to be disagreeable and nothing mammy peggy could do now would satisfy him indeed between the two the old woman had a hard time of it for mima was tearful and morose and would not speak to her except to blame her as the days went on she wished to all the powers that she had left the harrison pride in the keeping of the direct members of the family it had proven a dangerous thing in her hands mammy soliloquized when she was about her work in the kitchen men ain't what they used to be she said who'd a taught the young man a runnin off dat way just cause a ooman told him no he orter had sense enough to know dat a ooman just has several kinds of nose now if dat had been in my day he just stayed away to let a think it over and then come back and axed her again then she could a said yes all right and proper without a bit in herself but instead of dat he must go a tayin off just as soon as de fust woods come out of her mouth put nigh breakin her heart i claw to goodness i never see such sich carryin's on several weeks passed before bartley returned to his home autumn was painting the trees about the place before the necessity of being at his father's side called him from his voluntary exile and then he did not go to see mima he was still bowed with shame at what he thought his unmanly presumption and he did not blame her that she avoided him his attention was arrested one day about a week after his return by the peculiar actions of mammy peggy she hung around him and watched him following him from place to place like a spaniel finally he broke into a laugh and said why what's the matter aunt peggy are you afraid i'm going to run away no i ain't a fit of dat said mammy meekly but i been had something to say to you dis long while well go ahead i'm listening mammy gulped and went on ask her again she said it were my fault she told you no i minded her a family pride and told her to hold you off just lessen you think she wanted to jump at you bartley was on his feet in a minute what does this mean he cried is it true didn't i offend her no you didn't offend her she's been pining for you well she's growed right peaked sh auntie you mean to tell me that mim miss harrison cares for me you go and ask her again bartley needed no second invitation he flew to the cottage mima's heart gave a great throb when she saw him coming up the walk and she tried to harden herself against him but her lips would twitch her voice would tremble as she said how do you do mr northcope he looked keenly into her eyes have i been mistaken mima he said in believing that i greatly offended you by asking you to be my wife do you can you care for me darling 
The word stuck in her throat, and he went on. I thought you were angry with me because I had taken advantage of your kindness to my father, or presumed upon any kindness that you may have felt for me out of respect to your brother's memory. Believe me, I was innocent of any such intention. Oh, it, was, it wasn't that, she gasped. Then won't you give me a different answer, he said, taking her hand. I can't. I can't, she cried. Why, Mima? he asked. Because. Because of the Harrison pride? Partly. Your Mammy Peggy has confessed all to me. Mammy Peggy? Yes. She tried hard to stiffen herself. Then it's all out of the question, she began. Don't let any little folly or pride stand between us, he broke in, drawing her to him. She gave up the struggle, and her head dropped upon his shoulder for a moment. Then she lifted her eyes, shining with tears to his face, and said, Bartley, it wasn't my pride, it was Mammy Peggy's. He cut off further remarks. When he was gone, and Mammy came in after a while, Mima ran to her crying. Oh, Mammy, Mammy, you bad, stupid, dear old goose, and she buried her head in the old woman's lap. Oomph, grunted Mammy, I said de right kind of people o' pride all his pays, but de wrong kind, oomph, well, you better look out. End of story two.